You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today the topic of our podcast is can we overcome our toxic relationship patterns? Many people that I work with who have a string of toxic or narcissistic relationships ask this question. Perhaps it's in the looking back and realizing that the past three relationships were with narcissists or seeing a pattern of being with narcissists, drug addicts, abusers, and alcoholics. There's usually something within our own program that keeps us unconsciously being drawn to the wrong people so that we ourselves can learn to be the right person for ourselves and then the right person for the right relationship. Now, this podcast is actually a success story because I have a guest with me today who can wholeheartedly answer the question, can we overcome toxic relationship patterns with a yes. Marie Claire began working with me as a counseling client in 2008 as she worked to overcome her own patterns of attracting wrong relationships as she worked to develop enough self-love to say yes to herself, which ultimately led her saying, I do to the right relationship. So I'd like to welcome from Australia, Marie Claire. Welcome, Marie. Thank you so much, Kalia. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I always just love having these kind of conversations with people that I've worked with in the past. It's so exciting for me to see, well, I know there's really not a such thing as happy endings because life is a continuum, but to see, to see someone go from one place on their journey to a completely different place where they feel like they're really happy and have really created the life that they want to create. So could you tell me just a little bit about your journey, kind of going back to 2008 when we first started working together? Sure. So in 2008, I had just come out of a relationship with a narcissist and it took me three attempts to actually leave that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I was highly addicted and connected to him. And um, it was really when I discovered your work and psychic cord cutting and I had a, a session with you where we did that, where it was such a dramatic um, effect that it had on me. I went from being depressed really and having no energy because it was all focused towards the narcissist to suddenly regaining some of my life force. Mm-hmm. And that was really the start of the journey for me. Um, but, I guess, you know, as you know, healing from narcissistic abuse, is very complex and there's many, there's many different uh, kind of things to overcome, the trauma, the shock. Um, and then I kind of got to a point where I was over the relationship, but I hadn't really done the full inner work. So right. I ended up going on and dating someone even darker than the first one. Um And that was really a wake-up call that, okay, I have to do the inner work. So 
I kind of dipped my toe in and out of dating over the course of a few years. I'd take some time out, but I didn't really fully integrate what it meant to do the inner work and what self-love was and, and these kind of things. And so I found that every time I went back into the dating world, I was just attracting more narcissists and <laughs> it was just a vicious cycle. And so... Yeah, I think it was like the third time round of going back into dating and I was like, look, nothing's changed and it's been years. I have yeah. to take this seriously. And that's yeah. when I went all in on my healing yeah. and I made massive progress in one to two years where I really just focused in on that. So um, that's a great story. And I think a lot of people can share that story with you, including myself. You mm. know, that story of just repeatedly attracting, even if we think we're doing the work. Yeah. repeatedly attracting the same thing and then realizing, oh no, you know, there's, yeah. you, there's so much left undone. There's so much work left to do to get to a and point where my patterns change. Exactly. And I became like an expert on narcissists and oh, narcissistic yes. abuse. Yes. And I would research it. And I, you know, I, I studied uh, psychology. I got a degree and I thought that, you know, doing all this stuff out there was going to fix me inside and it just didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point because the work really is on the inside. And I don't think a lot of people really understand what that means. Because I even have a lot of clients that come to me that are like, well, I've been working on this for 10 years or I've been seeing therapists for 15 years. Yeah. And realizing that even going to therapy, even going through the motions of doing the work may not be the right kind of work. Don't you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like I listened to one of your shows recently about dating after narcissistic abuse. And you yeah. said, be the person you want to be with. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I was. I was like, well, I'm kind, I'm generous, I'm empathetic to other people. But mm -hmm. I wasn't any of those things to myself. Bingo. <laughs> but it's kind of like uh, I didn't get it. <laughs> right. Right. And, and it's like, you know, it's go, go subtle ahead. but profound shift. It is because people sometimes they ask me, well, what does it mean? And I remember asking the same question. What does it mean to love myself? Self. Mm, Sometimes yeah. that question, what does it mean to love myself? We think it's a, it's a feeling. It's just a warm, fuzzy feeling that we might have for ourselves when really loving yourself is, is really a series of action steps and behaviors that you take towards yourself. What, what would you have to say about that? I think self-love is quite confusing to a lot of people and it definitely was for me mm -hmm. um when I realized that okay in order to heal I need to love myself I used this affirmation a lot because I was like well what does that mean mm -hmm. so I would say even though I don't know how I'm willing to learn how to love myself that's beautiful can you say that mm. again <laughs> <laughs> Even though I don't know how, I'm willing to learn how to love myself or I'm open to learning how to love myself. Isn't that key? Isn't that yeah. key? Just being Be open and willing. Because it was too much to go full on in and say, I love myself. Yeah. I couldn't say it. Right. 
But oh. I could say, well, I'm willing to try right. and I'll fail and I'll try again. And eventually, I, you know, I got to the point where I could say it. Yeah. Because most of us, when we start this journey, we don't feel it. We might have a mm. lot of self-loathing. We've got a lot of core wounds that are activated that say things like, um, I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. There's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I'm stupid. I'm fat. I'm ugly. The list goes on. We, we have these things that we believe about ourselves, these core wounds that get encoded as beliefs that we carry with us on a subconscious level forward. Mm. And they're kind of what draw these mirrors of our relationships to us. Yeah. And when you said I'm not lovable, I, I thought of how for myself, I kind of turned that on its head a little bit when I was, I did this a, a, in a couple of ways. The, the first time when I was completely depleted after the end of the first narcissistic relationship, I, I had no energy and I felt like worthless and that I didn't deserve to heal. And so I thought to myself, well, if this happened to anyone else in the world, they would deserve to heal from it, right? Right. So if everyone else in the world would deserve to heal, including a narcissist, if they wanted to do the inner work, right. they also would deserve to heal, you know, mm -hmm. theoretically, I could understand <laughs> yeah. that. Right. But I wasn't really focused on that. And so I thought, if everyone else deserves, then I deserve to. It's not a question of not me not deserving and everyone else is. It's a question of, well, we all deserve that. And I just need to get used to that idea. And it was the same with not feeling lovable. I was like, well, we're all kind of lovable. You know, there were things that I even loved about the narcissist. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not going to stay with them. but right. um, Which is part of self being self-loving. Exactly. Yeah. So you you just have to yeah be kind of open to looking for those things. I found and they'll for, come. I found for myself when I was on the journey of self love that you know like I talked about the action steps that it involved really learning how to take care of myself to to take action steps. You know sometimes just beginning with the basics. Mm. Am, am I feeding myself well? Am I eating well? Am I getting rest? Am I learning how to say no to things I don't, I don't want to do that, that don't feel good to me or people that don't feel good to me? So, so taking these series of action steps, am I, you know, am I getting out in nature that's, that's nourishing for me? Am I doing things that are nourishing for me? Am I being nurturing to myself? That's true. And I did, especially, I think when you're in that state where you're very low on energy yeah. in the uh, earlier stages, I took those action steps too. And I, I kind of, you know, it was very basic. It was like, get out of bed, have a shower, mm -hmm. eat three meals a day, go mm -hmm. to work, put on, put on a front because I was, you know, broken on the inside. But I was like, well, you know, I can't just sit at home and cry, even though I want to. And um, 
getting out in nature as well. But I did find that I got a little bit lost in the difference between self-care and self-love because I kind of nailed the self-care aspect with eating well, getting out in nature, having a massage every month. And I was like, oh, you know, working out, look at me go. I'm taking (laughs) good care of myself. But I wasn't doing any of the emotional self-care. So can you talk about that a little bit? What did that look like for you? Not doing it, (laughs) the emotional self-care? Yeah, or or to Um, start doing it. What did it look like to start taking care of yourself emotionally? Well, that was probably one, one of the most difficult steps for me, and it took me the longest to actually get around to doing. I kind of, I put off my relationship with myself for the longest time, and I was looking for that person to be you know, everything to me and I would be everything to them. Mm -hmm. So it was really quite a lot further on in the journey that I actually thought, well, I'm going, I'm going all in on these relationships. I'm ignoring my gut instinct. I'm not feeling my feelings. And so to start doing that, I I started a feelings practice where I would literally ask myself over and over and over again, all the time. When I was at home in the shower, I would say, um, how do you feel? And then I, I would shorten it to I feel and I would just fill in the blanks and I would journal. And um, I was still kind of dabbling in dating, I'd say, inappropriate people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um i i started to what i call date consciously so i would i would you know hang out with with someone i was dating and i would be like i feel i feel ignored like i don't feel like you know they're they're really giving me any attention i feel like i i it doesn't matter if i'm sat here or not i feel like i don't matter and Mm -hmm. i sort of come to the point where I was like well why am I here I can feel these feelings sat at home by myself I don't need to I don't need to come around to the narcissist house to sit there and feel invisible so um it's definitely a like a process of like baby steps and kind of building that feelings muscle because it's one thing to feel your feelings and then it's a whole other thing to actually act on them so I just started with feeling them and not really doing much with that just literally going okay well I'm gonna get uncomfortable with this feeling or I'm gonna get comfortable with being uncomfortable you know yes 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 absolutely such an important piece the the feelings piece, I, I talk about that piece a lot because that, mm. was, that was where and it sounds like for both of us that's where the real healing began oh yeah you know, um, it's like I could go through a lot, a lot of the motions, but when I started really going into the feelings, really asking myself how I felt, really started journaling them, and also um, holding the space to feel whatever was there and not, you know, the things that we kind of learn to do from childhood. You shouldn't feel that way, you know, shame on you for feeling that way. Uh, Mm. having these ideas around what we were feeling, making our feelings wrong. And, you know, part of my journey with feelings was just to be able to 
say all your feelings are welcome here. Every feeling mm -hmm. you have is welcome here. Be with what is. And, and in my experience also, that welcoming those feelings help us to stay connected to ourselves so we're not dissociating or abandoning ourselves. Yeah, for sure. And I think feelings were, were confusing to me because I was like, well, I am feeling my feelings. You know, I feel abandoned. I feel worthless. I feel upset when the narcissist does this or they do that. But it was kind of, they're just like the reactive feelings. Oh, reactive feelings, yes. Yeah, I wasn't actually interested in anything that I felt. Only after I was triggered, I would be interested. Like, it's kind of, you, you need to ask the question before you're triggered. <laughs> yeah, at a time that you're not triggered. How much yeah. So and your, your the, practice of asking in the shower and things like that, just mm. that day-to-day -day practice you didn't have to wait till you were triggered to ask yourself how you were feeling. No. And when I was triggered, I would kind of be able to uh, match that against what I was already feeling. Mm -hmm. So some days you're low on energy, you're tired. And I would acknowledge that, oh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm feeling tired and going to go to work and be surrounded by a lot of people and, that might be triggering for me. So I would have that awareness. And then when I was triggered, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I was tired today. So it's no surprise that I'm going to react emotionally to that. Mm -hmm. And I would um, implement a kind of discipline where I'd be like, well, I might carry on with my work right now, but when I go home, I'm going to look into that a bit more. So I'd go home and I'd, you know, journal, like someone shouted this out in the office and I felt, you know, very insecure and maybe they were, you know, just shouting it at me and, um, and we would have some sessions on that as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. So that deep exploration of feeling is, um, that is such an important part because when we talk about toxicity, we really are talking about the relationships where we are acting and reacting and not really feeling in a, in a proactive, self-responsible way. Mm. And so we, we have to kind of go deeper into that feeling to break the patterns of, of just being in these reactive places. So, so you brought up such an important point when you'd say, I'm, you know, I'm at this, this guy's house, the narcissist's house, and, um, and I'm feeling ignored. Mm. And I don't like the way it feels. So I'm kind of acting out from this place of feeling ignored, being triggered. And I'm definitely feeling those feelings. I'm definitely feeling upset because I'm feeling ignored. Mm. But then you have to kind of go deeper, deeper into what's really going on for you. Is that, is that kind of what your experience was after you would go home? And yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's a, a hypnotherapy technique re regression where you might go back to the, the first time you felt that feeling. and. Um, I, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, are, are aware of that, that the narcissist kind of brings out some dormant emotions. So for me, when I felt ignored, I would, I would ask myself, well, when did, I, when did I first feel that? And I could trace it back to a feeling in, in childhood of, of feeling ignored and not seen and 
And so we did some inner child work and then I continued that with my own journaling practice where I would get in touch with that, that younger me that didn't have, you know, everything she needed and try and retrospectively feel those needs for her so she could feel safe. I think that's another really important part when we talk about really attracting the right relationship and getting away from attracting the the toxic relationships or those same patterns that we're attracting over and over is to to learn how to tend to our own needs to learn how to tend to our own feeling states and um stop the process of trying to get our needs met in that relationship from that other person and continually picking those people that are the least likely to be able to meet our needs and try to get them to meet it. So it becomes this, this process of trying to get something from that other person, Mm -hmm. trying to fill up that emptiness or fill up that neediness or appease the insecurities or, or do whatever we can from the outside, from getting something from somebody else, where ultimately we have to learn how to take care of ourselves and get our needs met from within, learn how to tend to ourselves, learn how to take care of ourselves so that we're not looking outside of ourselves for mm. somebody to do it for us, for somebody to be it for us. And isn't that kind of what you were, you were talking about with your your dating process? Mm-hmm. I remember after the first narcissist, um, I'd kind of, you know, gotten over the shock and the trauma and I'd had a year or two and I, I was like, okay, well, I'm over that. So where's my husband now? Like, that should be my reward. <laughs> yes, that should be my reward. Yes, I like <laughs> yeah. that one. Um, I, I was desperate and I was always looking for him. I would commute to London and I would be looking on the train and I would go home and I'd say, where's my husband? I was looking for him today, (laughs) which kind of seems crazy now. Um, But what did you want that husband to do for you at that time when you were looking for him? What were you looking for? Attention. Attention. Yeah. What, What kind of attention did you think you were looking for? Um, well, positive attention, but mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling my feelings. You know, we, I think we keep going back to that point. Which is an important and, point. Yeah. And so really I attracted narcissists and I was attracted to them because they were a great distraction from my feelings. They kind mm-hmm. of, they come into your world with like a bang, you know, like um, they make an entrance and it's, it's kind of all consuming. And, um, I definitely had other distractions from my feelings. Like I would comfort eat and I would also spend a lot of time like organizing my life and writing lists and shopping and all these things. I felt filled my life with things and lists of things to do, but it was all just to self avoid. And so I think I wanted, you know, someone that would maybe tend to those needs for me um, in, in exchange for my love and adoration of them. I, yeah. I think I was looking for a parent, really. Yeah. I, in, in a sense, isn't that what we, we all tend to do from an unconscious level is that's why we say, you know, that's why it's said we marry our mother or father 
over and over again because we're kind of looking for that that person who can be for us either what our parent was or what our parent wasn't depending on what kind of parenting we had yeah i was i was just looking for someone to kind of fill in some of the gaps from my childhood yeah, yeah and that it, that doesn't work <laughs> you know you said something really interesting about that you were using the narcissistic relationship mm. because they come in and make such a grand entrance you were kind of using that to avoid your feelings and then then you talked at the beginning about the addiction and addictions are what we use to avoid our feelings addictions are the ways that we self-avoid so perhaps it is that we all use our narcissistic relationships to self-avoid because they um, not only do they come in with such a grand entrance and they can be so charming and charismatic and romantic and tent attentive in the beginning, you know, at the very be mm -hmm. early stages that it kind of sweeps us off our feet and, and um, completely consumes us. So it really distracts us from ourselves. Mm, it's very distracting. And then we become addicted to that distraction. Even when the relationship's over, we're still addicted to that distraction. Yeah, I, I was completely addicted. And, and when you say sweeps us off our feet, it's like when, when, I, when I dated like the last time around, I was avoiding that because I was like, if someone sweeps me off my feet, then I'm going to fall flat on my face. I don't want to be swept off my feet. Right, right. <laughs> I want right. to gradually lean into somebody. Yeah. Over time. But I, I grieved my addiction to dating narcissists because I got to the point where it's almost like I was shedding that that old self that mm -hmm. wanted to date narcissists, but there was still a part of me that was attracted to them. And it was a, it was a strange place to be in because I was like, well, I know I shouldn't do this. It's kind of like, yeah, beating a drug addiction. I know I shouldn't do this and I don't mm -hmm. want to do this, but yet I have an attraction there. And so I said to myself, okay, you're healing from narcissistic abuse. You still have this attraction. There's something else for you to learn. So date them. I gave myself permission, but you're going to use this as a learning experience. This is not the one for you, but this is a step towards the one if, if I was prepared to, to use it as that. And as I did that, as I, you know, dated some inappropriate people, I, I would tell myself, you know, this is, this is going to be one of the last times I do this because I'm, I'm outgrowing this pattern now. And I did use the narcissist to get in touch with those like final feelings that I needed to release in order to kind of get over that pattern once and for all. So you were doing it consciously and I, I've done that yeah. too. It's really powerful to, to date a narcissist consciously and just watch our own triggers and um how we're interacting and what's mm. coming up for us and things like that i noticed you you said something in our correspondence about how you loved the experience of dating a narcissist i did yeah so tell me about that well i've always been quite a sensible person and um I guess the experience of dating a narcissist was kind of uh, 
me rebelling and having a kind of adrenaline. Um, I remember that the first date I went on with the first narcissist, he changed where we were in an instant. So we, we went for a glass of wine and before I'd got halfway through my glass of wine, he's like, let's go somewhere else. And so it was like a whirlwind of creating this kind of like, I don't know, like drama and um, like there was an intensity to it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what was going to happen next. And it was very exciting. Mm -hmm. And I realized when I was letting go of that pattern that I was going to have to let go of that kind of addiction to the, 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 the drama and the intensity. Yeah. Yeah. They certainly come with a lot of drama, excitement yeah. and intensity. And chemistry as well. Chemistry, yeah. But you know, something I hear all the time in my work is how can I fall in love or be in a great relationship without that really intense chemistry? So that that is a question that comes up for people feeling that they need to have that intense chemistry or really associating being in love or loving with that intensity. Of chemistry but I'd like to kind of bring in that that you have found mm -hmm. your man you found your guy didn't you I have you finally yes. found your husband finally <laughs> <laughs> and uh, were you looking yes I was looking you were you were looking when you found him weren't you doing mm -hmm. didn't you tell me you were doing um, was it Catherine Woodward's calling in the one or something like that um, um, it was a diff it was a different program. I, it was uh, two ladies, they're called Ariel and Claire. Mm -hmm. and, and I think together they have something called the art of love okay. and they teach people how to find their soulmate. Mm -hmm. And they had like a free online summit and um, over uh, the course of a couple of days and they interviewed some people on how they found their soulmate. And um, I was just soaking it all up. Um, and I remember they interviewed one lady and she said she'd, she got clear on what she was looking for. Um, she was a CEO of a company and she was looking for a man. She said one of the things was that she wanted him sporty because she did triathlons and they wanted to do, she wanted to do triathlons together. And I, I sort of thought to myself, if she can find someone to do a triathlon with in a relationship... <laughs> And that's really important for her. Then surely I can find someone that would just love me. Wow. And, you know, that, that's pretty much it. Be very loving, caring, kind, considerate, sweet. And I think it's really important to have those kind of role models and examples of people that have especially overcome narcissistic abuse and found that. Right. Right. Because then it, it opens up something inside of you where you think, well, it is actually possible. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of got you excited then. Yeah. Um, kind of in a grounded way, though. I mm -hmm. went about it really like it was kind of the opposite of, uh, <laughs> of a narcissistic relationship. So I would, uh, the narcissist comes in with, you know, all of their 
colors yeah exactly and they do their little dance and uh-huh. go oh look Ooh. at the attention they're giving me yeah and so I would go all in I'd be like okay he seems nice we've got good chemistry I'm just gonna see this through to the end and I would just stay and I would put up whatever it was that they were gonna dish out to me I'd be like okay I'll take that I'll take that but I'll hope I'll hope that you stop treating me that way, but I'm, I'm just going to be passive about that and hope that you change. And so I thought, well, because I lent in so much that I fell flat on my face, I'm mm-hmm. just going to lean back in when I date and I'm just going to observe what, what people are bringing to me mm-hmm. over a period of time because a narcissist doesn't stand the test of time. Right they fail miserably. Yes, they do. Mm. And you can look at, um, I look at the relationships I had with narcissists and within three weeks, there were some big red flags that I ignored because I ignored all my feelings. I ignored my gut instincts. So, right. Right. um, Yeah. um, So what would you say the test of time while we're on that topic? What would you say the test of time is in your experience? I know I always tell people three to four months. You usually know. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one when it comes to my husband, <laughs> because um, we were actually engaged quite quickly. Um, mm-hmm. We were engaged after three months and married within six months. But that was because of a visa situation, because mm-hmm. there was no way for us to stay together unless we got married in that in Australia. So, so it's a necessity. I, yeah, it was. But at the same time, I did know at that point. And I think even though that happened quickly, and I wouldn't advise that for myself or anyone, I think it's really important to, to take time in a relationship. But we did take our time in those initial weeks. Mm-hmm. So for the first six weeks, it was a period of getting to know each other. And I observed him over all sorts of situations. And the thing that I was most interested in is how are we going to get on with each other when we have a challenge or a conflict? Right. Or when I'm upset, either because he's upset me or someone else has. I wanted to know, is he going to support me as well as I've managed to support myself? Mm-hmm. And that's such a good question because we all know that a narcissist, one, you cannot have needs, and two, mm-hmm. they don't want to support you. They just want you to support them. Yeah. So it's kind of that uh, double standard. And so usually by the time we're going, you know, like you say, the first three weeks can be really telling, but definitely the first three to four months are going to be telling if that person is really showing up to support you. Definitely. And it does take time. I mean, I remember when I met my husband, he would say to me oh I'm a nice guy everyone thinks I'm a nice guy and that was a red flag to me Mm -hmm. because a narcissist comes in singing their own praises and saying everyone loves them but where are the people around them saying that (laughs) they're not there (laughs) right 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 yeah yeah or if they are they haven't realized yet exactly and so I I sort of dismissed that and I just thought well we'll we'll see you know, <laughs> show me, show me you're a nice guy. Don't so how me. did it unfold? 
Um, so I wanted to take things quite slowly with him, um, especially because we, we were in the same workplace. We mm -hmm. were living in a share house together. So I would see him at work. I would see him dealing with customers. I would see him dealing with customer complaints and also with his colleagues. And I really got a good sense of this man has a lot of patience and he's very gracious dealing with people's complaints and people were not treating him with respect, but he still treated them with respect. And I think it really helped me to see him in those different situations. Um, I remember meeting, um, going, going to meet his family and his cat and the cat immediately jumped up and, climbed on top of him and like sat on his shoulder and his head and he had this very loving relationship and I, I kind of think you know animals have an instinct mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then another thing that even though I didn't really need validation from other people it was really nice that I got it without asking for it for like the first time I would have um I was working in the spa in the hotel so I'd have people come in for bodywork treatments massages and and sometimes you get to talking and I'd say oh you know I'm dating David and they were like David on reception he's amazing oh I'm so mm. happy you're with him so many people were over the moon for us and they were return guests that had come back to the hotel. He'd worked there for nine years. And so to have someone, many people that knew him for nine years, be so happy for me and for us, kind of, it, it said a lot to me. I'd never had that before. No one's happy for you when you meet a narcissist. That's true. They're worried. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're concerned. Because and it's very seen. annoying to you because yeah. you're like, why can't you just be happy for me? And they're like, well, because your heart's going to be broken. Yeah. Drastically. Yeah. Good observation. I didn't think too mm. much about that. So, I mean, there are a few situations with clients where they were recommended to a narcissist by a mutual friend. Yeah. That does happen. You know, he's a really nice guy because sometimes... You know, if you're more covert narcissist, sometimes they really are really nice guys uh, or girls. You know, they really put their best foot forward and they seem really nice. But when they get into mm. the intimate relationships, their um, their shadow begins to really come to the surface. Their true colors. That's you know. true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I would definitely test the people that I dated just after maybe two, three weeks, I would go, okay, like we're good at being good. Yeah. You know, having a nice drink, having some small talk, but how are they with emotion? And so I would, I was doing the work already myself. Mm -hmm. So I would just share a little bit with them to see how they responded. And some people were, I, mean, I would say, oh, was triggered today. Someone said this and in, in the queue at the supermarket and oh, I felt a little bit upset about that and they'd go I made me if they changed the subject <laughs> then I'd go well they don't care <laughs> right right yeah or play the devil's advocate that was my the first narcissist in my life always played the devil's advocate so whenever mm. I would have something going on with somebody and I'd be upset he would take the other person's side even if he didn't know yeah. that person and, um, and I felt completely unsupported. 
Mm, completely. You're like, whose side are you on? You don't even know this. Yeah, you don't even know that person. Why are you siding with them? It's well, it's yeah, because, because I know you and you're just wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're oh, just going to be wrong about everything. <laughs> I practice this thing I call discernment, um, which is where I would evaluate someone's character not just based on my gut instinct, but on many things like observation, logically. And um, I would kind of, especially if I recognized someone had narcissistic traits, I would say to myself, okay, I'm going to dismiss their opinion in advance of them giving it to me. So when they offered their opinion to me about my actions, I would, you know, it would usually trigger me, but I'd go, well, I already pinpointed this person as someone that wasn't going to play nice or see me for who I am. So I'm going to disregard their opinion. Yeah, that's a really good thing because we often put way too much importance on the opinions that others have of us and not enough importance on the opinions we have of ourselves, our self opinion, being able to really be, be there and stand up for ourselves. Yeah, and I think there was even a, a point where I didn't even know what my opinion of myself was mm. because you don't know who you are. When, when, when you don't own your feelings, they don't, they're not there to guide you. So exactly. people would do things and I would be angry, but if I'm s- suppressing the anger, then I then don't have a, a barometer to go, like, how am I feeling? So then I'm not making any decisions and then I'm not communicating them either. So it's just, yeah, a it's kind spy. of a trap. It's, it's yeah. a trap. We get stuck in a trap when we, when we do that. So once again, you know, coming back home to ourselves, knowing ourselves, so key, so important, know who you are and know what you feel. Mm. And when, when you say know who you are, that's, that's the good and the bad. Like there, yeah. there are things, I have negative traits and I've accepted them. And we all do and we all must. Mm. We all have a dark side. We all have negative, well, I guess we could perceive as negative traits. traits. Yeah, true. I've, you know, I, it's I, a I perception. <laughs> it is actually. <laughs> But we, you know, I guess, I guess it comes down to for myself, part of my journey was accepting that I was imperfect because I came from, you know, being the, the anorexic perfectionist who, who just was always striving for perfection and couldn't, didn't want to do any wrong, which was a great mirror for a narcissist because that's kind of a narcissistic quality in itself. I can, Mm. you know, I don't want to do any wrong. I don't want to be wrong. I want to I want to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, I won't be lovable. I won't, people won't accept me. So part of my journey was about learning how to be imperfect and to accept my imperfections and be good with that and go, you know what? Everybody has imperfections. We're all imperfect. None of us are going to show up a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. Mm. And and we're not going to all get it right. And we're going to, you know, we're going to burn the dinner and we're going to, get tired and a little gruffy and um, we're going to say things we didn't mean and we're going to do things we wish we hadn't done. And we're going to learn how to apologize and take responsibility and, and just own our imperfections. Mm. And when you say perfect, it's like, well, whose definition of perfect? Because 
whoever you're in a relationship with, if you're looking to be perfect for them, then it really depends on, on what their definition of perfect is. Right. And I found that when I, I dated, I, um, I really used dating as, as a mirror and I went, there was a stage where, you know, I was, I was on the dating scene. <laughs> I got myself out there and uh, I thought to myself, it's a numbers game. So the more people I meet, more chance I have of meeting the one and, and the more healing I'm going to get done anyway. So it's kind of a win-win. And um, I, I noticed that people reacted to me differently depending on their, you know, their own background and, and many different factors. So uh, I, I say I ran late to the date. One person, well, they, they might run even later than me. And so they're not even aware that I was late. And when I tell them, they might laugh and we'll have a laugh about the, the fact that, you know, we're often late. But someone else might leave after 10 minutes and find it incredibly disrespectful. So who's right? Right. Yeah, it is a matter of opinion. So mm. can, can I bring it back now? I want you to tell me a little bit about your marriage and how that's been for you because we are <laughs> quickly running out of time. Oh, my marriage. Um, so I think, you got uh, married after six months. Yes, we did. And it's coming up to our three-year anniversary now. And you told um, me something. I'd, I'd just like you to repeat if you can remember it. You told me something mm -hmm. that you said at your own wedding that was really, really beautiful about if I had found some, somebody half as half as. Oh amazing yeah um so I wrote a list of everything I was looking for and when I I found David he had he was everything I was looking for but to the extreme like he had it all and um and even like the physical aspect as well which I I thought that was bottom of the list for me I don't really I thought he can come in whatever package he, he happens to arrive in. I'm going to love him anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if this person has all these qualities, they're going to be so attractive. And um, yeah, he, he, he came in a handsome package as well. So that was like a cherry on the top. Oh yeah. Um, so I said that I would, I would have accepted someone half as amazing as him. I didn't expect that he would be that amazing. And time has really shown me how amazing he is as well. And, you know, amazing is, is kind of a, you know, how do you quantify what amazing is? Well, I was looking for someone that had a very kind heart. And I also thought about how is this person going to be when they're old and they're, they're a granddad or grandpa and, and the grandchildren are around. And I imagined them sort of like climbing, he's sat on his chair and they're climbing up on the chair. Like and he has, yeah. yeah, he has a lot of patience for that and a lot of love and, and time. I wanted someone and I called this ridiculously generous and that they were my words. And um, I meant not, in a material sense, but with his time, patience, em emotions, support for other people. And um, it's funny actually, because when we, when we got together, we went out for a, a meal um, with some friends. It was someone's birthday and he ordered some champagne for the table. And I was like, oh, that's very generous. And then at the end of the dinner, he, he got up and went to the bathroom and, and paid the bill while he was gone. And um, 
I was like, that is ridiculously generous. And I caught myself thinking it and I was like, that's what I asked for. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have to be careful what you wish for because you, you know, um, I was like, he's just spent over $500 (laughs) on this dinner. Uh, Yeah. So it's kind of funny. And there were, there were things I didn't put on the list. I didn't put uh, domesticated on there and he is not domesticated. (laughs) So now when I tell people, write a list of what you're looking for, I'm like, think about it. (laughs) Cause if I was going back, I'd put domesticated on there. So, so after three years, so after three years, what would you say the biggest challenges for yourself have been? Um, for me, I had getting married quite early was a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, so I struggled a little bit with trust Mm -hmm. and having that knowing every day that, you know, he, he is, he does have my best interests at heart and he is, you know, a very good person. And I think that I was kind of, you know, waiting for, you know, that, you know, that other, the ball to drop kind of thing. And yeah. um, every day he shows me he's, you know, him, himself, he, um, he'll go to work and I have an anxious attachment style. And when he goes to work, he'll send me a text, you know, before he goes into the office and then I'll tend to get another one. And it's just something like, Oh, thinking of you, or I don't know, he little pet names that he has. And that's something I always wanted. Mm-hmm. And he, he does it without me asking for it. It's something that when I was dating people and I got very clear on what, and I got comfortable and clear on what I wanted, I would actually tell people, be like, oh, I get a bit insecure if I don't hear from you. Like, it would be great if you could just send me a message when you think of me. Um, And some people were not really into that. But then I would know, okay, well, they're probably not for me. And by the time I met my husband, he just did it. Like, all the things I was looking for and asking for, he he just was that. That's so beautiful. Mm. That's just really beautiful. Yeah. Um, another thing I struggled with a little bit was um, the intimacy because it's it's different in a healthy relationship. Um, with a narcissist, I think they 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 come in with the, the chemistry, and they kind of they almost lead with their sexuality. They yeah, they lead with that chemistry. Yeah. And because I wasn't feeling my feelings, there were actually times where I didn't feel like being intimate with a narcissist because, you know, (laughs) why would you want to be intimate with someone that's hurting you? But I would go along with it anyway. And so I don't do that anymore. (laughs) So I'm like, it's, yeah, it's different. And I guess that comes also comes down to the trust factor um and over over time as i trust more i i'm it gets better with time and i'm able to the intimacy grows and that's that's an important part is the intimacy grows rather than erodes mhm exactly yeah relationship is it erodes over yeah. time and this one grows it's, it's different. It's based on, you know, trust and a genuine love for each other. 
Yeah, that's really beautiful. So, mm. so now looking back, mm. is it all worth it? Oh, yeah. Was it worth the journey? A hundred percent. And I got to the point where the pain of being with a narcissist and the pain of not taking this healing journey, this inward focus was too much. It was greater than not taking it. And so I think you get to that point where I say you don't really have a choice, but it's, it, it becomes obvious that, okay, this is what I have to do now. Yeah. And actually when I, when I got married, um, there's a thing like post-marital depression and I grieved the person I became because I become this sassy woman that was like, no, 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 I'm not taking that. And I know what I want and I know what I deserve. And, and it was real and genuine and I, I loved it. Mm. Um, so when, when we got married, um, I was, I've also been, um, traveling a lot. So I will decide where I want to go next on a whim. I'll just be like, okay, I don't like it here. Let, let, let's go somewhere else. And, and when we got married, I was like, Oh, I can't just do that. Like I mm -hmm. can't just, you have to communicate what you want and compromise. And so they were also challenges for me. Yeah. But challenges you've overcome or are overcoming. Yeah, definitely. It's a work in progress for sure. Um, sometimes I still, would get emotionally triggered and I will revert back to like a childlike aspect of myself where I shut down a little bit. I get shy, very insecure, unconfident. And it kind of knocked my husband for six the first time he saw that in me, because that's not the person that he like grew to love. Mm -hmm. And so I had to explain to him, I was like, this is an aspect of me. Like, even though, you know, I've done a lot of work. I still will have that from time to time. And I asked him once, is there, you know, anything that you don't like about me? And he, that was the only thing he came up with that sometimes um, I struggle. And he says to me when I'm in that, in, when I'm in that state, he says, Marie, use your big words. <laughs> <laughs> and it just that. makes me laugh. And it reminds me, it's like, oh, okay. Like I'm, I'm acting like a five-year-old. <laughs> I need so to say kind of, like, kind of like grow up grow up yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so, you know it's it. just my wounds so I'm like yeah. I'm sorry you can sometimes resort back to the wounds in the inner child and and have to really remember and bring ourselves up so we are mm. um coming to the end of our time Marie can you um mm -hmm. doing a little bit of work yourself with narcissistic abuse now aren't you you have can you I am, yeah. For a second and tell people where they can go to, you've got a free work, workbook with exercises to empower and heal from narcissistic abuse? I do, exactly. I really feel like I took the scenic route when healing from narcissistic abuse. And so I wanted to share the things that I've learned so that I can help people get there quicker than I did and so I created this workbook, which has some exercises. They're like journal exercises to help you get in touch with yourself and become that source of support to yourself. And there's some in there about kind of the energetic cleansing as well to, to get, to remove the narcissist from, from your life. But I really, I think that, you know, the bigger part of the journey, which for me got lost was that self-work. And so it's mostly that. And you can find that at revelationtherapy.com. It's uh, the free workbook link there. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate having you. On the oh, show. thank you so a, much. Such, a, such an enlightening conversation and just, just such a pleasure to have taken this journey with you. It's been, gosh, I think I've known you for what has it been now? 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. It's incredible. And when we first started working together, I, I you know, this was a dream of mine <laughs> to be interviewed as a success story. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people listening will connect with that, even if they don't share their story so publicly. Um, you know, if that is a dream of yours, then then you, you can absolutely do this work. And one thing I did realize after being married is um, that there's actually no difference between when you partner with yourself now versus partnering with yourself when you're married. And so I kind of thought that once I was married, it was like all done and dusted. I was completely healed. Everything would be amazing. And it's just not the case. So the continu um, continuation of your story. Exactly. So it doesn't matter if you're single, married, with the narcissist, not with the narcissist. If you literally partner with yourself, put yourself first, ask yourself how you feel, um, you'll get there. Yeah. Thank you, Marie. I want to thank you for your unique message on healing from narcissistic abuse and all of the free resources that you have. You've been doing this for a number of years now and there is so much incredible information that you've, you've given out to the world. And, and also one thing that really saved me, I would say, is when I came across your website and I read and resonated with your story and you really connected the dots and made it um, a spiritual awakening experience and really put light on that in a way that... Um, was just very unique and and special so i want to thank you thank you thanks so much for that and i'm so glad that my work could be helpful for you marie very helpful okay well bye everybody thank you so much for joining us and we shall see you in the next podcast okay take care